TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Here we go, another edition of the Score North Gophers Show. This would be the midweek edition of the Gophers Show. I am Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. Thank you so much for finding this edition of the Gophers Show. Wherever it is that you have found it, whether it be via Apple, maybe you're listening on that free Score North mobile app, maybe you're listening at scorenorth.com, wherever you have found this podcast, thank you so much for doing so. And if you wouldn't mind, if you like what you hear, as always, tell a friend, but certainly give us a review, give us a five-star review and tell everybody how much you love the Score North Gophers show. We're going to talk Gophers and Rutgers this Saturday at 2.30 in just a few moments. But before we do that, let's touch on some other news and notes from around the Gopher Athletic Department. The first one is football-related. Maryland and Minnesota, there is a game time for Saturday, October 26th. It is a game time alert. The game time is set for 2.30 with the game being carried on either ESPN, ESPN2, or ABC. Again, game time 2.30 for Gophers and Maryland, covered by either ESPN, ESPN2, or ABC. The Gopher men's hockey team, they are at home this weekend at 3M Arena at Mariucci Arena for the first official time in 2019. They'll take on Niagara on Friday and Saturday. A quick scan at gophersports.com and the secondary market shows a good amount of seats remain, so not a bad opportunity to get a look at the Gophers in their opening home series of the season. The Gopher women's hockey team, they are also home this weekend and off to a 6-0 start. They'll take on Ohio State this weekend at Ritter Arena. Those games will take place on Saturday and Sunday. Two quick Gopher basketball notes, one good and one not so good. First off, the good one, a really nice get for Richard Pitino on the recruiting trail this week, landing a four-star recruit, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Mashburn, he, of course, is the son of former NBA All-Star Jamal Mashburn. He should give Richard Pitino's squad some more star power and depth at guard beginning in 2020. The bad note, Eric Curry suffering an injury setback for the Gophers. That means freshman Sam Freeman, he's more than likely going to be the beneficiary of some extra playing time. Whether he's ready or not, look for Sam Freeman to see some additional playing time on the court this upcoming season for the Golden Gopher men's basketball team again go for football they take on Rutgers this Saturday in Piscataway at 2 30 some quick facts on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in four Big Ten games this year they have been outscored 165 to 7 that's just one touchdown in four games the Gophers currently 28 and a half point favorites the Saturday forecast appears to be very nice sunny with a daytime high of right around 64 in Piscataway should be a great day for some college football. Kickoff is at 2.30 with Lisa Byington and Jane Lehman. They are on the call for the Big Ten Network this Saturday at 2.30. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, James Cratch, he is a beat writer for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. We will get caught up with him. He'll tell us all about Rutgers, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of Big Ten, too. James Cratch is available at James Cratch on Twitter, J-A-M-E-S-K-R-A-T-C-H. We catch up with him in just moments right here on the Score North Gopher Show.
Ofer fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Welcome back to the Score North Gophers show. Again, before the break, we mentioned we would be talking with James Cratch. He's a beat writer for NJ Advanced Media. He is on Twitter at James Cratch, J-A-M-E-S-K-R-A-T-C-H. We'll bring him into the conversation shortly. P.J. Fleck, he met the media earlier this week, and he previewed what's to come with Rutgers this Saturday in Piscataway. And I watched Nunzio's press conference yesterday, and I think he's handling it. I mean, you talk about a difficult situation, and he has just absolutely uh, crushed it. He's doing a great job. He's a phenomenal person. He's a wonderful football coach, uh, and he's all about the kids. That's the one thing I have always respected about him as a high school coach. You loved recruiting his kids because it was all about the kids, and that hasn't changed at all, and you can tell that with him. Yeah, it's been a tough season so far for Rutgers. Of course, they fired Chris Ash a few weeks ago, and Nunzio Campanell just took over real recently with the program. You heard PJ's thoughts on that. Nunzio talks about the current frustration around the program. I understand the frustration for sure. I mean, everybody wants to win. You know, we're in the situation we're in right now, so the negativity doesn't help anybody. It certainly doesn't help these kids, you know, because if somebody thinks that they don't want to win, you know, they're – Sadly mistaken, you know, those guys are out there and they're trying really hard and if they get to practice, they see that a lot of guys are working really hard. And Again, the Gophers come into play on Saturday right now, currently at 28 and a half point favorites. I'd like to welcome into the conversation, as mentioned, James Cratch from NJ Advanced Media at James Cratch on Twitter. James, great to talk to you. Thanks for making time for us here on the Gopher Show. I appreciate it. And so do our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ross. Well, this will be, I think, a very interesting interview in a good way. I'm very excited to learn a little bit from you and your knowledge covering the program. Again, beat writer for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Let's actually try and start with the game, if you don't mind. I mentioned 28 and a half point favorites. I, I imagine so far the way this season's gone, especially with Big Ten play, James, kind of used to seeing a line that big. Yes, I mean, I think at this point, so far, there hasn't really been a line that Vegas can set that was too high. You know, it's amazing when you think back to a couple of weeks ago when they had the, the Big Ten opener the second week of the season in Iowa. It was, I think, I think maybe close to like 17 or, or 20. Uh, and I think people thought, oh, Rutgers is going to cover that. You know, that, that line's too big. Um, you know, I think, and obviously they, they lost 30 nothing and they lose 52 nothing. You know, to Michigan, and then they fire Chris Ash, and you know they're fourteen and a half point underdog at home against Maryland, and they lose forty eight to seven. And this past week, you know they were a twenty eight point dog. I think maybe got down to twenty seven and a half by kickoff against Indiana. Even even having seen them play and struggle so much, I thought to myself, you know, that's four touchdowns is a is a lot of you know that's a big spread, and Indiana basically almost covered it in the first quarter. So uh, I think it's open at 30. I guess it's down a point or two. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's going to be big numbers. And the crazy thing is they still have to play Ohio State. They still have to play Penn State. They still have to play Michigan State. So 
you know, I don't know what the number is going to be for the Ohio State game. I mean, it might it might be in the 40s. With Minnesota coming to town on Saturday, James, how does Rutgers start to pick up the pieces? I think it, this will this be Nunzio's third game already. Be his third game. Correct. Be his third game. Where do they Where do they start to pick up the pieces? And if you notice some incremental improvement in the first two games since Chris Ash was relieved of his duties? No, it's actually been the opposite. You know, obviously they they had a pretty you know chaotic week. You know, Chris Ash gets fired Sunday after they lose fifty two nothing in Michigan. Nunzio Campanelli you know gets main the, the interim head coach on Sunday. Um, he is given also, the, you know, and where this thing kind of really kind of got crazy was they also fired off as the coordinator, John McNulty. So now Nunzio goes from being the tight ends coach who less than two years ago had been a high school head coach to being the interim head coach of a Big Ten team, and he's now the offensive coordinator with a mandate to fix the offense. You know, that's what athletic director Pat Hobbs said. You know, we need to score more points. So he – Starts to add, you know, he was a big success in high school, kind of running a spread offense, RPO, zone read, you know, that sort of the philosophy. So he starts to implement some of that. And Art Sikowski, who's you know sophomore quarterback who struggled mightily last year as a true freshman, was when Ash and Nolte were fired, Art's coming off arguably, you know, basically the two best games in his college career. He throws for 300 yards against Boston College and a loss. And then he goes to Michigan, and he gets crushed. I mean, he got knocked down, sacked. I mean, really kind of a heroic performance for the kid to stay in there the entire day for the most part. Um, but, you know, he had a solid game against Michigan. Art had only played in three games. He lost the starting job coming out of training camp. He doesn't really fit the offensive, you know, trend that Nunzio is starting to implement. So he asks, you know, I want a red shirt this year and just kind of reassess my, my situation, my options going forward, save my year of eligibility. So in comes, and, you know, the premises, you know, McLean Carter, who grad transferred from Texas Tech, who won the starting job in training camp, he suffered a concussion in the first half against Iowa. He, we now know, was about, basically about to make, finalize the decision to medically retire because of the concussion, you know, was, was a bad concussion, and he had had injuries in the past in his career. So, they're now down to their third quarterback, third-string quarterback, Johnny Langan, who actually played for Nunzio at Bergen Catholic, was the state player of the year. One of those kids where he was a great quarterback in high school, most schools did not see him being a quarterback at Division One level. You know, people were willing to offer him as a safety, as a tight end, as a linebacker. He wanted to play quarterback. Boston College is the only school that offers him a quarterback. He goes up to BC, red shirts, doesn't play last year. He's well on the depth chart. BC says, we want you to move in position. He doesn't want to do that. So he transfers to Rutgers, which will take him as a quarterback. So now he's, now he's playing quarterback, you know, obviously, in the Big Ten. They, this, this Art basically decides I'm going to redshirt very late in the week. They kind of throw a game plan together with Langan. Had some, you know, little glimmers of success. Langan throws for 160 yards. But they really don't have much time to prepare, I think. Maryland hadn't really seen what, you know, they had no idea what Rutgers was going to do, given all the changes, but they quickly kind of, you know, adjusted it in-game, you know, made their adjustments. Maryland wins 48-7. to Then they get a whole week of practice preparation, no chaos, and they lose 35 nothing, and they throw for one yard. So 
and the defense played poorly again. So we've seen no progress. I think the big question now is what can this team do now that they've had two full weeks to prepare? Is there anything they can do? I think the great fear around the program is that they're basically Langan has limitations as a passer, and whatever they can do as an offense is now on film for two games now, and defense is just going to start to shut it down completely as the weeks progress. No, it was a really long rambling answer, but there's a lot that's happened with this team. No, and I actually appreciate that answer, and it leads me right into my next question. Under what scenario, in which way, or let me rephrase, what is the path for Rutgers to be competitive on Saturday against a Minnesota team that has improved defensively pretty much each and every week, especially here in the Big Ten schedule, and is dangerous offensively? What is the path forward? What is the best-case scenario for how Rutgers can not only compete, but probably if Rutgers were to win, it would be the upset probably of the week and weekend in college football. What's the path? Is it even possible? I, I don't think it's possible. If it were to be possible, my guess is that, you know, obviously I think Minnesota's average time of possession is you know close to 34 minutes. Uh, Rutgers has got to cut into that. I think the biggest key for the Rutgers offense would be stay on schedule. You know, I look at the Rutgers offense, like, you know, the teams that run the triple option, the service academies look at offense. They've got to be in third and manage, you know, third and four or less every time. You know, they cannot be in a situation where they're looking at a third and 10 or a third and nine or a third and 12, because you just cannot convert that regularly given the talent you have, given, you know, the issues you have with your offense. And, you know, against Maryland, they got themselves into some of those third manageable situations. Indiana, they had none of those. So I think that would be the key. If, if Rutgers were to somehow upset the Gophers, they'd have to stay on the field, to stay in drives as an offense, and it has to be, you know, they'd have to keep the pile moving forward. You've got to get three yards every play. Otherwise, you're going to fall too behind, and all of a sudden it's third and long, and you really have a very limited set of options available to you. James, why didn't it work out for Chris Ash? What was the big reason? What's the biggest reason that he's currently unemployed and no longer coaching big-time college football? Uh, he did not recruit a Big Ten caliber you know, players, and that's the bottom line. Um, you know, I think the recruiting rankings, in hindsight, were pretty. You know, seemed like they were they, they weren't great rankings to begin with, and it, now when you look at the product on the field, you think, well they were really kind of overrated even, which is incredible when you think about the fact this is not a guy who's bringing in top 20, top 30, you know, he's bringing in classes in the, in the low fifties. Um, he's just, you know, I think, I think Chris Ash is kind of fish out of a water, out of water. You know, he's, he's a Midwestern guy who I think just didn't necessarily fit, you know, New, New Jersey's a, can be a strange place, especially, you know, the, the, the football culture here. Um, he, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things going on here. You know, we got two, two NFL teams, two baseball teams, you know, two NBA teams, you know, actually, you know, three, if you, you can roll Philadelphia market in two, you know, South Jersey, you know, there's just so many options. So I would say the biggest things were, I just don't think Ash was a great cultural fit for what Rutgers needs. You know, Rutgers needs a, a salesman, you know, a big personality that's going to engage people. You know, I, I go back to what a long time observer told me about Greg Schiano, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. Before people believed that Rutgers football could win games, they, they believed in Greg. And I just think 
So you didn't have that same sort of connection with the fan base and, and the donors that Ash needed. Um, the second thing I, I think is just, you know, he just was never in a situation where he could break through. You know, he, he was a very conservative coach, but, but overall, I mean, the biggest issue they have is um, they could not recruit Big Ten caliber talent or enough of it. Teams are not depth, uh, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. They struggled mightily. Um, those are really the, the weakest spots, and they only got worse as the years progressed. And those Kyle Flood and Greg Schiano era recruits, you know, left the program, graduated, moved on. And I think offensive identity, too. You know, Ash got hired, and he promised that, you know, they were going to have an offense that was fast and exciting and score a lot of points. And they've hit historic lows um, in his time here. And, and they continue to do so now, obviously, one yard passing last week. So, um, again, to ramble on, it was a lot of things that kind of impacted Ash and made it so it didn't work here. But I think the biggest thing is the guy just did not recruit well enough. Okay, doing a little bit of picking around, you brought up Greg Schiano, and I've heard just from other media types that he's definitely one that's on the list. From what you know and what you heard, is he maybe the leader in the clubhouse? Is that the desired number one candidate, or is this going to be a real thorough search where they will basically go up and down across all of college football and try and find who can be the next guy? Because uh, my follow-up, and I think you can probably answer both in the same question, so sorry to ramble ramble on here myself, is is there a little bit of buyer's remorse for Rutgers football joining the Big Ten, or is it maybe just buyer's remorse that Chris Ash wasn't the guy to lead them through the Big Ten? I'll take that one first. No, there's no buyer's remorse. I mean, there's a couple. You know, there's, you know your, your 10-odd fans who every time they lose, you know, scream, why do we ever join the Big Ten? I mean, joining the Big Ten is the greatest thing that ever happened to Rutgers athletics. Um, you know, you take football aside, you know, it's been a huge boost for the wrestling program. You know, two national champions this past year. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, New Jersey's a hotbed for wrestling at the, high, at the low, youth level, high school level. They're keeping those kids in state because they get to be in their backyard and wrestle in the Big Ten. Um, you know, women's basketball. It fits in well with the Big Ten. Men's basketball is on the rise. You know, field hockey fits in well. Women's soccer, you know, the rowing. Um, there's a lot of sports that are thriving at, or, or, or quickly progressing up in, in Big Ten play. Um, football has been an issue, um, but I, I don't think there's anything. And, you know, the bottom line is the reason why Chris Ash took this job is because they were in the Big Ten. You know, I think a lot of people here realize that why – while Rutgers probably wasn't maybe 100% ready or prepared to be in the Big Ten, and it was a big jump, and, and they've struggled, Rutgers can only, only needs to look up north at UConn and say, that could have been us. You know, there, there's a lot of people who say, in an alternate universe, UConn got invited to the Big Ten or, you know, to the ACC, and, and Rutgers was kind of the, the left out when the musical chairs ended, and you're you know, football irrelevant at that point. So as for the coaching search, um, there's a lot of people here and a lot of important people, donors, boosters, alumni, who want Greg to come back. Athletic Director Pat Hobbs intends everything we've been told. He wants to have a thorough search. And there are people here who do not want to bring Greg back. So to answer your question, I think Greg will be a candidate to the very end. I think it's a coin toss at this point whether he's the guy or whether it's the field. But I think Greg is going to be a guy who's seriously in it to the end just because – He's the one man 
in the in modern Rutgers football history that has won and has proven that he can excite the state of New Jersey, excite the fan base, and get recruits that can compete at a high level into the program. This is the Score North Gopher Show. I'm Ross Brendel, at Brendel Ross on Twitter, joined on today's program by Rutgers Beat Reporter for NJ Advanced Media. Find his work at nj.com. That would be James Cratch. Also on Twitter, at James Cratch. I'll spell it out, J-A-M-E-S-K-R-A-T-C-H. Let's circle back to the game on Saturday. Again, 2.30 local time here in the Twin Cities on the Big Ten Network. Looking ahead at the game, looking towards the game, how is Minnesota viewed maybe by the coaching staff, but also as fans of the Rutgers football program? Is is Minnesota viewed as a 6-0 and great team, or are there people within I – I maybe – I wouldn't say the coaches would do this, but are fans questioning maybe how good the Gophers are? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think with Rutgers fans, you know, the vast majority of the focus for most is on, you know, the coaching search and stay in the program – we're at a kind of a point here where the X's and O's, the, the, that week's matchup, really are not discussed much until maybe you know, later in the week, Thursday, Friday. I think a lot of people respect the Gophers because of P.J. Fleck. Obviously, P.J. Fleck was on staff for Greg Schiano at Rutgers, and he's got a lot of former Rutgers guys on his staff now. Shiraka, Jim Panagos, Norris Wilson, you know, Rossi. There's a lot of Rutgers ties there, so I think you know, people really respect P.J. There's a lot of folks here who wish P.J. was the head coach at Rutgers. Think that was maybe a missed opportunity, but you know, there's always been different sides, different stories about whether or not Rutgers was interested in PJ before they hired Ash, or PJ was interested in Rutgers. And I don't think we'll ever really know what the truth is. Probably somewhere in the middle. But no, there's a very positive outlook I think on, on what Fleck has done there, and some regret that he wasn't able to come here to Rutgers and potentially try to do that. My take on the Golden Gophers, you know, when they when they had that start start to the year where they where they beat. North South Dakota State, and Fresno State, and Georgia Southern. I think a lot of people thought, you know, this team's doing that that good. I was very impressed. I was actually higher on Minnesota after its, you know, non-conference slate ended than I was coming into the year. Coming into the year, I, I looked at the schedule and I thought, this is a team that might be better than they were a year ago, but still be a six and six team just because how strong the schedule was on the back end. But the way they handled that kind of stretch of three tricky games against quality opponents really impressed me. And I think now, you know, they're 6-0. and They're going to be 8-0 because they're going to beat Rutgers on Saturday. I have a very hard time seeing that team with how well coached the Gophers are losing to Maryland, which I don't think is terribly well coached uh, in the following week. So then you're going to be that, you know, I believe it's the Penn State game at home, which I think could be, you know, the showdown of the year, you know, one of the big showdowns in the Big Ten, it could be, you know, college game day type atmosphere. So I think a lot of people are very impressed with Minnesota and obviously very impressed with what P.J. has done. James, I know you don't cover Maryland in depth, but I think you're a lot closer to them. Well, I know you're a lot closer to them, at least geographically, than I am here in the Twin Cities. Why does it never seem to work in Maryland year in and year out? You see their recruiting classes and they're constantly top 20, top 25-ish. And then every year they struggle to go five and seven or six and six. I think you just said in your in your last sentence there pretty much that it might just be coaching related. Is it as simple as that? Is it that they're in a tough division in the East? Why why can they never put it together and be a seven and five to nine and three team? Well, I'm just having the coaching situation they had last year, um, you know, with DJ Durkin, the tragedy, and Joy McNair. 
obviously that impacts the program. But no, you're right. They have recruited, you know, when, when I was looking at the recruiting rankings for Rutgers in Maryland and Indiana, because I think, you know, Rutgers every year, you know, when you kind of look at the Rutgers program, you think, okay, you know, the first step toward, you know, increased Big Ten relevancy is for Rutgers to push past Maryland and Indiana at the bottom of the East and be that team, you know, in between the bottom and the big four teams in the division. Uh, Maryland has recruited extremely well if you go by the rankings. Um, I sometimes wonder if the rankings are a little bit inflated because, you know, Maryland obviously is a prominent, you know, East Coast, you know, area. They bring in a lot of kids that are being recruited by the Ohio State, the Michigans, et cetera. Um, but, no, they, I just think it's a coaching thing. I, I just thought, you know, Indiana was very well coached, I thought. Maryland, to me, just seemed like a little bit of a ragtag team, especially on offense. Uh, but they have athletes, and I think that those athletes were kind of game-breakers against Rutgers. You know, Rutgers could not handle the speed of the skill players that Maryland had. I would think Minnesota will be able to do a little bit more against that in a couple of weeks. I know you have not seen them yet, but you will soon. I've said on this show, I think Ohio State is national championship good. Do you think it's possible the Big Ten could have a national champion in Ohio State? And I'm not discrediting anything that Wisconsin's done. Wisconsin's going to get at least one crack at Ohio State, maybe two if they can get to the Big Ten title game. And that's that's assuming Ohio State gets there. I know crazier things have happened, and as you mentioned, Penn State's very good, but I feel like the Big Ten, it's incredibly top-heavy. I, I think it's a deeper conference this year than it has been in a long time. But that Ohio State team looks really, really good to me. No, I, I, I'm an AP voter, and I voted Ohio State number one in the country the last two weeks. I, I think that their schedule is maybe not as you know, heavy on ranked wins as maybe LSU's is. I have LSU at number two. But, but the eye test, Ohio State just looks like you know, the best team in the country when you watch them. Uh, they're just dominant. Uh, I, think, I think they could be a national championship caliber team. Um, my big thing is, looking ahead, I mean, it'd be very difficult. I'm beginning to wonder, is there any way, you know, that the Big Ten could get two teams in the playoff? I know people have said, well, what happens if Ohio State and Wisconsin play twice and they split? I tend to think a more likely scenario would be, you know, if Ohio State were to somehow, you know, win the Big Ten, but you have a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss or Michigan were to – see, I, I personally, I've seen Michigan play this year. I know it was Rutgers, but I just walked out of the big house thinking that Michigan may have figured it all out. Now that, you know, they uh, – know they Illinois creeped back in last week. But that's a really good Michigan team. I, I mean, I thought they were going to win the Big Ten coming into the season. And, I, and I'm just starting to wonder if they're not going to run the table and we're going to get to the last weekend – and it's going to be Ohio State, going to be Michigan with, with, with the East on the line, potentially. So I could see a scenario where Ohio State gets tripped up by Michigan but still makes the playoffs just because Michigan then beats Wisconsin in the title game. Um, or the Gophers. I mean, I, I think Minnesota, I think, is going to have a chance to be in it right till the end. So it's going to be fascinating. You just made a lot of people here in the Twin Cities, including myself, very excited. At the beginning of the year, James, just so you know, I thought this would be a 7-5, and 8-4 and four football team, and my basis for that was the tough November that you talked about. I thought they would get to the 8-game mark and be somewhere around 6-2. and two. Well, even if they were to trip up in one of the next two games, I know you mentioned that's unlikely, They'd still be seven and one. So I've kind of since adjusted that to saying if you go anything less than 
nine and three, despite how tough your November is, you're going to be a little disappointed. But if you're if you're a Gopher fan, you got to be pretty excited. It seems like there's a legitimate chance at winning ten ball games this year. And if you go ten and two, regardless of going to the Big Ten title game or not, at ten and two, you're going to be playing in a very nice New Year's Day bowl game. No, definitely. I mean, I, I, coming in the year, I'll be honest. I thought Nebraska was going to be ten, eleven win team that wins the West. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. But no, I think I, you know, look, I've never, I've always felt that Wisconsin. Um, I'm not, you know, you can't argue with what they've accomplished on the field so far this year. But I, I don't know if they're the world beater that they've looked like so far. I, I'm intrigued to see what they do when they start to hit the tougher gals. They beat Michigan, but. What happens when they play Minnesota, obviously, at the end of the year? What happens when they play Iowa? Matchups like that. So uh, I, I tend to think that Minnesota's – my guess is Minnesota-Wisconsin, you know, for, it's for the Axe. It's also for the Big Ten West this year. A de facto Big Ten West championship game. If you're a Golden Gopher fan, that would be a ton of fun. Speaking of fun, James, this has been a ton of fun. I hope we can catch up again in the future. And I know it's a little bit of a tougher time to be covering – Rutgers football but I certainly know when you get in situations like this at least you're not short on content so that's got to be viewed as a good thing that is true we've got plenty to talk about thank you James I appreciate it anytime Ross thank you again that's James Cratch you can find his work at nj.com he is on Twitter at James Cratch beat reporter covering the Rutgers Scarlet Knights that'll do it for this edition of the Gophers show, a quick plug for James Murphy and Daniel House. They'll review the Rutgers game. Sometime they're thinking on Sunday, if not Sunday, on Monday. So look for that edition of the Score North Gophers show. And as always, please make sure you rate us. Give us a five-star review. Tell a friend. And as the Gophers hopefully keep winning, keep on listening. We certainly do appreciate it. Again, that will do it for this edition of the Score North Gophers show. I'm Ross Brendel. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again midweek next week. We'll preview Maryland and talk some Big Ten football.